Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. i got a big event coming up this Thursday, three days from now, Bay Area Wealth Strategies. Um, Bay Area is a great place to live. It comes with a lot of challenges. Going to be talking about real estate in the Bay Area. Going to be talking about real estate versus stocks, risk and return, capital gains taxes, state income taxes, federal taxes, um, high state and federal taxes and how they impact you difference between being married and being single in the Bay Area, stock option planning. So it's going to be a pretty good event this Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9 in San Jose. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. A little later this hour, I'm going to be talking a little Money 101. Every day for the next two weeks, going to be talking uh, in the 8 o'clock hour all about financial plans, all about 20 things that you need to know to get to where you need to retire each and every day, starting at the 8 o'clock hour. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. You know, these days are meant for you. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. SP 500 is down 4 today. The Dow is down 34. NASDAQ up 8. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. Chad Burton and I will be doing a seminar soon. You can... Learn more information about it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Let's talk retirement risks, Mr. Burton. What's your thoughts? What's the biggest risks in retirement? I think the the biggest three risks that people in retirement face are taxes, inflation, and uh, absolutely healthcare costs. Healthcare costs scare me the most because I'm not the healthiest person. Therefore, I'm assuming I'm going to be draining my retirement accounts a little bit more than the average person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, the problem. I, th- I think that more people realize the healthcare costs. I hope than um, than some of the other issues that really catch people by surprise. So, for example, when you see these online calculators, we've talked about this before. A lot of them are very poor or don't do anything in terms of estimating what your taxes are. And I'm seeing more and more people retire with the biggest bulk of their money where retirement accounts. Right. Right. So, when you pull a dollar out of that 401k, that dollar hasn't been taxed yet. I'm surprised you actually say that, because I would imagine that most people's biggest bulk of their retirement assets is their house. No, your house is your biggest liability until you're going to model the sale of the house and live off the proceeds. Well, that, what I'm getting at, and you can disagree with me, we can Indian leg wrestle to find out the winner, but um, <laughs> I, I think most people, retirees that I talk to, and again, I'm Californian, um, have a lot of equity in their homes, or did have a lot of equity in their homes, and that was going to be their nest egg, and not necessarily their 401k. So in order to tap that nest egg, you either have to do a reverse mortgage, which it's limited as much as the amount that you can take, you know, what, just just under 300000 in California, and, and depending on the location, it could be less. And that is not a huge chunk of change for retirement. So it's going to force you to make that decision, where do you move? Where are you going to retire uh, in order to pay less taxes? What states have less income tax on your pensions? Social Security, if if you're a married couple filing jointly and one half your Social Security plus all your other income, including tax-free income, is over $42,000, 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So just can assume your Social Security is taxable income. Different states treat Social Security slightly differently as far as income, or different states treat income for retirees differently. Is that something you ever consider? Well, there's certain states that give breaks to pensions okay. in terms of how they're taxed. Social Security is not going to be taxable at the state level. Um, so... It's it's really an issue of 
looking at the state. And okay, let me retract the question. Income taxes for states treat retirees differently state to state. Yeah, uh, somewhat. Like somewhat. in the state of California, people that have a still have a mortgage and they pay for long-term care insurance yeah. tend to pay much lower in state income taxes because those deductions will carry forward right over the California return. And property taxes are something to think about in retirement. All these taxes are things that you need to think about. Think about sales tax is egregious in the state of California. Right. And all those things, when you're trying to do your projections on your own for retirement, which is a, the biggest life-changing event that you'll have, if you don't have a very detailed cash flow statement that includes your estimate of taxes, including figuring out how changing changes in tax laws, taxes are going to go up in the future. We can't survive as a country unless the budget deficits are dealt with. But senior citizens will have a free ride because they vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> right? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Um, with that said, I think the first 10 years of retirement more expensive for taxes and inflation, and the last 30 years of retirement, i.e. 70 to 100, more expensive for health care. Is that part of your formula at all? That like Once you hit 70, you're not moving. Most Americans aren't moving around. They're watching Jerry Springer in their trailer, sipping on their you know one glass of uh, booze a day, and uh, <laughs> just waiting to die. They're waiting for, they're waiting for Jesus to come that, get them. Is that what you picture retirement as? <laughs> That's what I see retirement as for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, a lot of times if people are way behind, they need to focus on increasing their ability to make money versus trying to pick the right stock. And My mom's a shut-in. Yeah? Yeah, she, so, I mean, she doesn't get out except for when her kids pick her up. Oh, it's she, a big life-changing event. Some people drive. need counseling to move into that next transition of life. So it's, you know, here, here's the deal. Taxes, you tend to pay less in taxes the first several years of retirement because you're not paying for FICA, right? That's, right, right? that's right out of your paycheck. Um, but going into retirement, a lot of people spend more money in the first few years because of the, all the travel and the buying kind right. of the retirement home, the motor home, things like that. That all has to be figured in. And you got to realize inflation cuts the value of a dollar and a half every 20 years. Okay. So healthcare costs, those are going up at 5 to 6%. So inflation is the other big risk we've talked about before. Um, healthcare, though, this is the big one that people forget to put in their projections. Let's say you retire at 60. You're on your own, no Medicare, till 65. Right. That's a huge cost. Anything else that we need to know? Um, you know, don't retire unless you have a detailed plan. A okay. detailed plan that includes a long-term cash flow, long-term projection on cash on your taxes, and a very detailed look at inflation. You can meet Chad at the upcoming seminar to learn more about that. Go to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We do wealth preservation, retirement planning seminars all the time in the Bay Area, as well as some Money 101s on occasion. Find out more at robblack.com. You can find Chad at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And this Thursday, we're doing an event for the Bay Area in particular that's tied towards how expensive it is to live here, how expensive it is, but also how wonderful it is because you get a bigger paycheck sometimes. Um, and sometimes you get stock options. So there's uh, a lot of pros and cons, lots of pros and cons. Yeah, you got to throw down for rent what most Americans pay for mortgage twice as much. Um, but, yeah, you get the restaurants, you get the ocean, you get the culture, you get the, you know, stock options. Did I mention those? So you can sign up for this event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you want to drop me an email, it's rob at robblack.com. A couple business headlines out there today. Electrolux is buying GE's appliance business for $3.3 billion. So Whirlpool and Electrolux, kind of the biggest players for the home appliance market in the United States now. Apple's big iPhone coming tomorrow. If the picture that leaked is the iPhone, is the iWatch, it's going to be a damn hot product. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
I don't know what to say about this one. But I'll say it anyway. Um, Olive Garden is going to offer passes. And this almost sounds like a bad late night comedy sketch. Sounds like a gimmick. Pasta up the kazoo. They're not calling it that, but the casual dining chain. Uh, Their business has seriously softened in recent years. They're going to offer never-ending pasta passes, which for $100 gives the holder the right to consume all the pasta, salad, and bread, and Coca-Cola they can stuff down their face for seven weeks. Only a 1,000 of these passes will be sold online via the Olive Garden website. Nothing like being one of the 1,000 VIPs who can gorge on pasta for 49 days in a row. Nothing compares to it. The PR stunt piggybacks to the chain's annual never-ending possible promo, which lets Americans eat all the pasta they want for $9.99. I'm not a dietitian. I don't pretend to be one. But this sounds like the number one reason why America is fat. We're a bunch of Oompa Loompas who have to drive around minivans and trucks because we don't fit into cars. We don't, like, the amount of uh, BMW minis sold in America, way on the low because we can't get in them. Olive Garden, $100 for seven weeks of pasta, Coca-Cola, bread. Okay, the salad I can't knock. But Oompa Loompa, like, right? Do we really need this? I don't think so. Um, Alibaba is going to come public. So shares of Alibaba filed the SEC for its IPO. They're going to range between 16 and 66 bucks. Companies expect to raise $20 billion. Yahoo owns a 23% stake in the company. They plan to sell a portion of their shares. Pulling in $7.6 billion to the company. It's probably the only reason Yahoo's still up and around these days, because of a wise investment in Yahoo China, which was basically Alibaba. Apple, happy iPhone week. Tuesday, they're going to host an event in Cupertino, which will likely reveal the next iPhone along with a new wearable device, um, of which it looks like it's going to be a pretty mammoth event. They're hosting it at the Flint Center in Cupertino, which 30 years ago is the same place they hope hosted a Macintosh event. That symbolism is tough to miss. Um, Apple's built a completely new structure, which looks big, um, or bigger than the building itself, the Flint Center. Apple normally keeps the spotlight on one major product at its events. For this one, it's going to have three major hardware products, two new iPhones, and probably its first ever wearable. Um, is it going to be called the iBand or the iWatch? Rumored smartwatch has had a ton of hype over the last two, three years. There's going to be a health and home platform. And all year long they've been promising we're going to come up with something big. Now we'll see if they actually pull it off. Let's talk a little... Real Estate Now with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental properties. Hi, Rob. Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you or the words mean to you? Investment property. And I think that's something that you, it, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're getting a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, oh. We have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home. 
um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money and they want to buy some rental property because it's something maybe their parents have done. Um, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or friends, uh, and they get exposure that way. I live in part of the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate it in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Mm-hmm. Multifamily was a one of the reasons we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. Right. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years, we saw a lot of, almost 30 to 35% of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, a A lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. um, So what you're saying there, sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you, and they'll do... And help you get the loan and, and so on. And, and management fees, et cetera. So it's, there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisements and incitements to get into this into the real estate business as equities increase. Here in the Bay Area, prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards, um, I, don't want to say, I don't even know how to say this, but a lot of individuals want to own individual properties. And then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner. And I hate that. I would rather you own publicly traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not writing a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories than I do. You work with people on an individual basis, and you also have – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually people who are successful at – buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. It's because I, I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, <laughs> yeah. and they, they actually corny. have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're, that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like... If, there was a guy... He owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it, Aqueduct City, um, that has no aqueduct. Mm-hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out but they have to have water. So I'm, you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, you certainly do. So real quick, what does the person, what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, somebody who can, it's extra money for them okay. to spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said I have about $50,000 I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole you know, qualifying process and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, did you watch the 49ers game yesterday? 
there was a shocking number of 49er tickets sold to 49er fans at Cowboy Stadium. Um, 50% of the crowd, 40 to 50% of the crowd was probably in 49ers gear. So at one point in time when the Niners went up 14-3, they did a shot of the crowd, and it was a sea of red. A lot of reasons for this. A lot of them are financial reasons. Tickets were selling at 241% of face value on the secondary market, of which Dallas has a huge expensive ticket in the first place. So it's hard for season ticket holders who have seven other games to go to to turn down that sort of payday. Uh, if you can get 241%, that's like getting you know two and a half tickets for free, right? 49ers are one of the league's most popular teams, supply and demand. So with tickets at the brand new Levi Stadium running at $122 a seat, Dallas is not much of an expense. Cowboys have been mediocre for a long time. Those are the three reasons that Niner fans dominated that stadium. Fun first half, eh, second half. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Oh, and you're going to let me be. Can't you feel the cold wind howling down blowing my soul? Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Got a big event coming up Thursday evening, this Thursday. Um, testing this event, seeing if people are interested in Bay Area Wealth Strategies. Would love for you to come out. Um, clearly, you know some people who work at Facebook or Apple or Google, people who used to work at YouTube, things like that. That This is an area that's got some pretty unique type of wealth tied towards it. Buying real estate in the Bay Area is difficult for most. Uh, spoke with a couple this weekend that she's stressed because to buy real estate, they gave up saving for retirement, they gave up vacations, and they went on a strict budget. Real estate versus stocks, which is better. We'll talk about that. Um, so there's a lot of challenges. Come meet me, CFP Chad Burton stock option planning, just general Bay Area wealth concepts. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And uh, I hope to see you out there. California is pretty interesting in and of itself. It's the most populated U.S. state by far. Um, As far as countries go, I think it would be the eighth largest country if you separated it from the United States. Um, somewhere between six and eight. I've heard as high as six, as high as low as eight. The value of goods and services produced is about $2.2 trillion, which is bigger than Russia and Italy. Um, Texas, which is the second biggest state as far as values of goods produced, is $1.5 trillion. We're at $2.2 trillion. California leads its peers by any economic measure. Agriculture, $21.4 billion. That's three times as much as Iowa. California tech company, $673 billion in revenue. That's 51% of all sales in the United States tied towards tech. Um, manufacturing in California, $204 billion. Texas is number two at $176 billion. So we've got a lot of interesting stuff, right? Like our high-speed rail. Uh, will it ever get done? Will it be a good idea? Um, 
our budget just went up 19% to $156 billion. Um, so $68 billion high-speed rail. It's unpopular. Um, the debate whether the rail is cheaper and more environmentally friendly than building more roads and airports. Work for the first phase has already begun. Republicans can't seem to stop it. They just lack the votes. So it's going to be an interesting story as it unfolds, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Next hour, I'm going to be talking a little back-to-school action. And what I'm going to try to do is going to do a couple topics a day for 10 days, kind of piece together with a podcast so that you have everything that you need to know about how to succeed financially. I had someone um, reach out to me a couple years ago, her and her husband. Her husband worked for Open Table, and he drove like an hour and a half to get to work and like two hours back from work. And he was making $65,000, $70,000 for a family of four, maybe five in San Jose. I'm like... You guys are poverty. Like that's you can't live off that. And she didn't know anything about a budget. She didn't know anyone thing about setting priorities, four one Ks. And she was kinda of like the family Puba, if that's fair to say. Um she was the one in charge of like getting the finances put together and like I'm like, you're never gonna be able to pay for your kids to go to college ever. Like, you'd have to hit the lottery, and please, please, please don't hit the, play the lottery at this point in time. Um, so I'm going to try to do something kind of, not for her, but for all of those people out there who kind of need the really skinny basics of um, how to succeed financially. So hopefully that's not you, but if it is, it is, and you'll listen. Got an event coming up in the for Bay Area Wealth um, in San Jose at the Airport Hotel in San Jose, the San Jose Airport Hotel. A lot of information at robblack.com. It's Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. And again, I want to see a lot of people out there. In large part, I know this is speaking to you in some way, shape, or form. It better be because uh, I've seen too many people come up to me and just they're frustrated with where they are, how much they have, how to get ahead, will it ever happen kind of issue. Um, and I get that. So recently the market's been playing with all-time highs, and then it seems to sell off for a couple of days, and then it plays with all-time highs, and it seems to sell off for a couple of days. So market's holding support, I believe, um, a little lower here, a little lower there is okay. Very disappointed August employment report on Friday. Uh, we're looking at more and more odds of Federal Reserve raising interest rates in 2015. Will it be early 2015 or late 2015? When it does, it's going to change the market game. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget to sign up for that event at robblack.com. guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Thought I would do something a little bit different. And instead of focusing on business and the headlines and the markets, dedicate a couple hours a week. Five hours here, five hours there, to really going over the basics of money. I refer to it as money 101. I refer to it as setting 20 simple lessons in motion that will get you to retirement. My goal on this show is to focus on some of the things that you're doing right and focus on some of the things you're doing wrong. I try to put stories into some sort of context that makes sense for you, like Apple, investing in Apple. You become an owner of the company. Think of it that way. So you can go into the Apple store and fire people? No. But so that you can go into the Apple stores and go kind of like, I'm proud of this. People like Warren Buffett have said, pretend like you only have 20 tickets that you can punch in your lifetime when you're buying companies. So I try to help you think like that, because he's the most successful investor of all time. Why not you know, latch onto his ideas and embellish them and stretch them and get them to where we need to? So I'm doing a little bit of a back-to-school kind of theme. The goal here is to give you some simple lessons so that you could say, okay, thank you, that means something to me. Or you can go, you know what? I don't need to know how to spell cat, K-A-T. <laughs> Whatever. Take what you want from this segment. Leave what you need. That's fine. But I'm going to go over 20 concepts, two a day for 10 days. It's going to run everything from insurance to taxes to buying a home to controlling debt to saving for college, estate planning. Kids and money, 401ks, planning for retirement, making a budget. Um, I'm going to hit everything that you kind of need to know. There's things like, there's little tips and hints and tricks. There's, For instance, there's a good app out there called Credit Karma. You know how you hear commercials for uh, protecting your credit, protect your identity, protect your identity. LifeLock will protect your identity. Um, I don't think you need it. I think what you need is an app called Credit Karma that lets you know when you open up a new line of credit. I think Credit Karma is a lot of fun to the point that I was playing with it with a mortgage lender recently, and he got a kick out of it. Like, how many lines of credit should you have to be considered the best, to get the best credit rating? What's an A? What's perfect? This app kind of leads you down that road. So... During these shows, I'm going to try to give you little hints and tips and tricks and things like that um, so that we get to where we need to get to. You know, lesson number one, it has to be setting priorities. You can't get anywhere where you need to in money if you don't have priorities. So you need to narrow your objectives. You probably won't be able to achieve every single financial goal that you ever dreamed of. I want to own an island. With, I'm going to stock it with all people four feet or under, and I'm going to have my own basketball league. And I'm going to be the center. <laughs> and they're all going to wear orange crush cans as armor. And I'll be idolized for my height. So that financial goal is never going to be reached by me. That's too expensive. But identifying my objectives is really, really important. So I say come up with the top three. Focus on those top three goals that matter the most. Um, When I was 18 years old, I said I wanted to retire when I was 35. I didn't, but I had the money. I I hit that goal. I wanted a million dollars by the time I was 35. Because a million dollars could pay me $40,000 a year until the day I die. 
I could live another 60 years. And I could sell oranges on the beach with a, with a girlfriend. I thought that would be heaven. But then there's conflicts that come up. Got married, got divorced. Kids? Like, issues like that will come up. Losing your job? Will come up. There's going to be conflicts that you're not going to be able to fund your goal. You're going to buy a car that breaks down on you. So you're going to have to defer some of your goals, or you're going to have to overfinance some of your goals. When you set priorities, you want to put time on your side. That's really, really important. When I was 18 years old, I said my goal is to have one million dollars by the time I'm 35. I need to save 166 dollars a month. That's going to come out to two thousand dollars a year. Over five years, that'll be 10,000. 10,000 could double to 20. 20 could double to 40. 40 can double to 80. 80 will double to 160. 160 will double to $320,000. At $166 a month for 12 months for five years. And that would be a third of a million dollars 40 years later. $166 a month, what's that? $5 a day? So that's where that stupid phrase of if you cut Starbucks out, you'll have you'll be a millionaire. It's kind of true. But you know, I started figuring this out. Math, five dollars a day is what I need to save. That could be two Diet Cokes. That could be you know, I don't drink bottled water. You almost have to I'm not gonna say I'd give you ten thousand dollars if you ever see me with bottled water in my hand. Because I will drink other people's bottled water. I will not buy bottled water. It's the worst investment of all time. Something that you get for pennies out of your sink, you're paying dollars at a grocery store for. So, you know, the number lesson number one is setting priorities. So you got to come up with goals. You've got to give yourself some time. You've got to figure out, a, you know, how much is it going to cost to fund that goal. Like, if you have a goal of having a kid... You know, studies say that it's going to cost you over $250,000 from age 0 to 17. So do the math on that. What is that per year, roughly? And again, keep in mind, this isn't a, a, a pure kind of number where you divide, uh, like the earlier years are probably more expensive than the latter years. It's over $20,000 a year. Some years are going to be more expensive than others. So... You start coming up with these numbers and these goals. You want to retire with a million dollars. You want to have a kid. You add $20,000 a year to your budget. Roughly. Again, not science. Uh, You want to share this priorities. When I was very, very young, I went out of my way to have a crush on a girl. My heart was crazy about her. And... I wrote my initials and her initials on a tree. I wrote it down. It made it very, very real. I shared it with the world. Now, in the world of finance and money, if you have a sugar booger, if you have a spouse, if you have a loved one, you're going to want to have this conversation. Here's my top three goals. I want to have a kid. I want to retire. And I want, how about a retirement home? Like a vacation home. Or a boat. Um, And then you come up with numbers tied towards it. Those are your priorities. Maybe number four priority is, like, um, you want to travel the world. And maybe you never hit that one. But you know your top three, and then you know number four. So priority is very, very important. You don't want to sweat the small stuff. You want to be prepared for change. Talk a little bit more about this. We're doing a Money 101, all things financial, 20 lessons to retirement, funding, happiness, bliss, utopia, whatever you want to call it. I'm Rob Black.
I'm Rob Black. Uh, I'm an East Coast guy. I try to take a kind of in-your-face Generation X approach to money that is lacking. There's way too many white guys who are puffy, who wear suits, who try to make it all about, like, don't look at what I'm doing because it's magic and you can't possibly understand money. That is a bunch of bull. Doing the little things right does go a long way, though. And I don't want to belittle this process and say that, you know, there's not moments where you're going to be scared, because there are. Market is a scary place. It goes up, it goes down. But seven out of ten years, it's six out of ten years, it's all-time highs for the year. Seven out of ten years, it goes up. Um, but there are periods of time where there's, like, market goes down 10%, and that's scary. But you can't keep all your money in a bank because the banks earn you almost 0%. And your money has to make little baby monies. If it doesn't, you're in trouble. Um, Why do I say that? Because things are more expensive every year. The easiest example is Coca-Cola. When I was a kid, it cost 25 cents to go to a vending machine, put your money in, chink, 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 down drops Coca-Cola. Now I think in a vending machine, they're anywhere between a buck and two bucks, right? That's called inflation. So you have to grasp that there's things that you're going to want that are going to cost more money in the future. So one of the things I talked about already is setting priorities. A million dollars today sounds like a lot of money, but it's like that Austin Powers movie where the bad guy says, I'm going to hold the planet hostage for one million dollars and... In the 1960s, that was a lot of money, but not so much today. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. I love sharks with laser beams. When I set my financial priorities, it's probably retirement, vacation home, sharks with lasers. But I can't have everything. Some people want a boat. Some people want sharks with lasers. So lesson number one, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pounding on this one a little bit more, is you've got to set priorities. One of the things you've got to do is come up with maybe ten priorities and then throw away seven of them. Or keep them, but maybe reprioritize them. Maybe in your 20s your thought is that you want a big motorboat. Because who doesn't want a motorboat? A motor. Who doesn't want a motorboat, right? Everyone wants a motorboat. And then you're like 30, and you're like, yeah, that looks like a lot of work. <laughs> so your priorities will change, right? Um, goals that matter, the goals that don't matter. Um, there's going to be a lot of conflicts. Uh, some of the, the goals will conflict with one another. Like you may want a vacation home in Maui that costs $4 million, and you only want $1 million in retirement. Like, ooh, that's kind of a conflict, right? You want to get started early with your priorities. Uh, you want to include others into this. Um, because what if your spouse doesn't want a vacation home in Maui? She wants it in Santa Barbara. That's a pretty big problem. You don't want to sweat the small stuff. You always want to sweat the big stuff. You always want to keep your spinning on course. Whenever you make a large payment for anything, ask yourself, is this taking me close to my goals? Like, um, I have to take some trees out on my property, and it's going to cost a lot of money. So if anyone knows a good tree removal service, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Or anyone that wants to barter with me, that's fine as well. Um, so big ticket items, I always stop and say, like, okay, if you have a million-dollar home, it's expected you'll do $10,000 of work on it a year. About 1% of the home value is what you could expect to be putting into it every year as far as maintenance goes. Um, so you always ask yourself, like, is this $5,000 check that I'm writing worth it? Um, so you want to sweat the big stuff. The small stuff, um, you're still thinking long-term plans. Most of life is lived here now, daily expenses, and it's going to be okay. You know, some things you, ha- you do have to have a little bit of fun here and there. You do, and I get that. But when you're buying like a car because it's sporty and fun, is it also going to be 
expensive because it's sporty. You put a lot of wear and tear on that thing. So identifying your financial goals is pretty important. It's not as easy as it sounds. If you have a child, you're probably going to have to fork out money for braces. Remember earlier I talked about a child's going to cost you about $20,000 a year. Some years are going to cost you more. If you have a child and he's clumsy, he's going to be in the emergency room, it's going to cost you more. So that's one of the reasons why you have to have like, these priorities and you have to have savings. You know, a single candy bar. If you're buying one candy bar a day, if you put that money into a tax-deferred account paying 5% a year, that dollar would grow to you know, $3,000 in 10 years. It would be $16,000 in 30 years. So do you notice that 3000 doesn't sound like a lot of money for a dollar a day, giving up just a dollar a day? $3,000 is you're going to get in 10 years if you just put it in uh, a bond fund. 5%. Now, again, market average is 8 to 10%. So little things in your life you could start seeing like a candy bar a day, if I give it up, it's going to be $16,000 in 30 years. That's pretty impressive. If you take two siblings who both invest in retirement, brother and sister, sister starts at age 20. For 10 years, she puts away $3,000 a year. At age 30, she stops. Her brother waits until 30 to get started, and he puts away $3,000 a year for the rest of his life. Who has more money? Again, the sister only did it for 10 years from age 20 to 30. The brother does it from 30 to 60. 30 to 65 in this example. It's the early bird that wins. The sister reaches 65 with more than $642,000. $3,000 a year for 10 years. And she's going to have $642,000. That's some serious change. Her brother would have only about 518000 even though he put in $3,000 a year in all of his 30s, all of his 40s, his 50s, and all the way to 65. He put in three and a half times as much as she did, and she's got more than him. Um, if you start saving two to $3,000 a year, it's going to help fund your biggest priority, which is retirement, living from age 60 to 100. Now, you may want emergency money, for sure. You probably want to buy a house. You want to get out of debt. You want to pay for your kid to grow up. You want to pay for your kid to go to college. You want to retire comfortably. So these are these priorities that are going to mean something to you. Maybe you will have other ones. I don't know what your priorities are. But when you save a dollar, it helps fund your priorities, right? All debt over 8% is bad debt, really bad debt. Because the market gives you returns of 8 to 10%. And they kind of, that kind of works hand in hand, right? I've got no debt other than my mortgage. That's cheap debt. I had college debt till I was 30-ish, in my 30s. That's okay. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So much going on, right? Doing a little back to school, a little, really going over lessons that you you got to grasp if you're going to get to where you want to in your financial future. I'm trying to cover everything from insurance to investing, to buying a house, to selling a house, to even do you need to own real estate. So it's 10 days of pretty intense one hours. So you give me 10 hours, and I'll give you enough of a financial education that you should be able to get to, quote-unquote, financial freedom or utopia or whatever stupid phrase you want to call being 65 years old and have enough money to last till the day you die. Um, There's a popular rule 
a kind of a rule of thumb that says retirees need 70% of their pre-retirement income to maintain their lifestyle. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not retired. So I like to say 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. So if you're living off 100000 you need between $1 to $2 million to retire. Because you're going to live somewhere between 10 and 20 years in retirement. It's kind of like the basic starts of it. But then there's also, you're going to pull 4% out a year, and you're going to aim to get 7% returns on a majority of your money. So that you're beating inflation, you're trying to... There's some rules here. Like, you're going to want to have three years of income in cash or a cash equivalent in retirement. So one of your biggest retirement goals, and we're set, you know, we're, lesson number one is setting priorities, is have enough money to retire on. And kind of sticking with that is I think you need to put away 10 to 15% of your salary every single paycheck because you need to get to 10 to 20 times your paycheck, your income, to retire. The earlier, the better. Money doubles every 7.2 years. So 10000 saved by age 25 will become 20000 by age 32. It will become 40000 by age 40. It will become 80000 by 48. It will become 160000 by 55. It will become $320,000 before you retire. But getting that first 10000 saved is tough. And I wish I would have started younger. Um... Best way for me to save is 401k, 403b, 457. It's money that you don't pay any federal taxes on. It grows tax-deferred, tax-free, capital gains tax-free. And hopefully it comes out a lower tax bracket. Right now I'm in a high tax bracket. When I retire, hopefully it will be a lower tax bracket. So that's my number one priority. For me, number two is, what is it? Probably a vacation home. Three is probably the ability to travel and support grandkids. Four is probably leaving an inheritance of kids. So that's my lesson number one. Those are my priorities. What are yours? You have to write them down to make them true. You can't just have them in your head. So to fund those priorities, you come to lesson number two, which is making a financial budget. It's horrible. It's hideous. It's awful, especially in your 20s. In your 20s, you're playing around with a little credit card debt, and like you're actually living beyond your budget. Budgets are necessary evil. It's tracking what's coming in versus what's going out. Making sure that what's going out, 15% hopefully is going to fund your number one priority, right? Maybe owning a home is your number two priority, and you got to save for that part of your budget. Creating a budget requires three steps, three very, very easy steps. And again, I didn't do this in my 20s, so I'm guilty of like being a fraud here. I lived beyond my ways and means at times. Um, now there's apps that do your budget for you. Mint.com, M-I-N-T.com. Um, there's an app that is on my phone that anytime I want to see my budget, I pull it up. It stinks to go grab a beer, pull up your budget, and then you see that you're spending too much on beer. And you're like, oh, good, no! I didn't want to see that. And then you drink another beer so oh, you can forget it. Ah, nice tasty one. So you need to identify how much you're spending now. You need to evaluate your current spending and set goals to finance those priorities that we've already talked about. You need to track your spending to make sure that it stays in those guidelines. Um, some months I spend... You know, I, I think... I'm not going to tell you what my budget is. I want to, but I, I, I won't. Hypothetically... Some months I spend $10,000 a month on living expenses. Sometimes I spend $12,000 a month. Keep in mind, part of that goes to funding my retirement. Part of it goes to funding my, my mortgages. So it, it may sound like a lot, but then again, it's part of it's my goals, too. I'm funding my goals. Um, there's so many tools out there that can help you create a budget. I think LearnVest has one. Probably if you were to Google best budget software, best budget apps. But again, I use mint.com. It's M-I-N-T. Um, and I find it useful. It's a little bit of an annoying side in the sense that you're constantly like changing the rules. You know, it, you put in your credit card data 
But again, keep in mind, I use Mint and I use Credit Karma. Um, I like seeing how much I'm spending. I like seeing if you know I've got unusual spending. I like email alerts. I love email alerts. I love I actually get text alerts on any credit card purchase over two hundred dollars. Um, and any sh- site that I shop at, and typically I only shop at Amazon, sends me emails on any time I buy something. So I know when online fraud is going to happen and not. Um, so one thing about a, a, a budget that is important to talk about is don't make yourself go crazy over it. Um, you know, once you determine, like when you use mint, um, if you go to a grocery store, let's say let's say you have a little liquor uh, store that you like to stop off and get a six-pack or get your coffee at. It's called, you know, country store. And Mint doesn't understand that, what is that? Is that a luxury item? Is that, you know, is it clothes? What is it? So sometimes you have to put in groceries, or sometimes you have to, you know, change the category a little bit. Nice thing about that is um, it will track it for you. And you'll be able to, if you honestly sit down, you know, Six times a year, I'm thrilled. If you review your budget three times a year, I'm thrilled. I don't think you have to do it every month, but you should have a, you know, you should fund that your priorities first out of your budget, and then you can do, you can, you know, watch it with attention detail a little bit less. You want to watch out for cash leakage, and that's a nice thing that something like a Mint does. Cash leakage could be withdrawals from an ATM machine. I don't use ATM machines; hate them. I use a credit card for almost every transaction with points tied towards it. Part of the points are cash rewards. I've got an American Express that pays me 2% back. And I put everything I can on it. And then that money, I don't use it for airline flights, for vacations, for visiting family. I don't, none of that. It all goes towards my, my retirement. So there's a situation where instead of cash leakage of ATM fees, it's actually a cash bonus. I'm actually a saving bonus. But I won't use ATM machines for one primary reason is that buck fifty two dollar two fifty charge that they they could throw on, that's expensive. You know, look at minimum wage in America. If it's seven fifty or eight dollars or ten dollars, whatever it is in your state, your area, those little things like two fifty charges add up like. Do you want to work for free frying bacon? Well, okay, that's a bad example because I would work for free frying bacon. I love bacon. I love bacon so much. Bacon, I love you. And all the myths that bacon is bad for you. Yeah, it's bad for you if you eat like six strips a day. But it's not good for you. But it's not like going to bring you down quickly. Anyway, especially if you have somewhat of a healthy lifestyle somewhere else in there, you're eating bacon and a 14-ounce steak. It's a 14-ounce steak that's going to get you. So you want to watch out for cash leakage. You want to, you know, make sure that you don't spend beyond your limits. You can experiment with credit card debt, 18 to 22, but then you need to stop it because now you got to get serious. Instead of paying a credit card company 12, 15, 20%, no, that is not acceptable. Not in your budget, unless you're making a 12-15% you know, wage increase every year. Beware of luxuries that are dressed up as necessities, because they rarely are. If your income doesn't cover your costs, then you know, some of these luxuries aren't feeling a real need. You know, I went on way too many vacations in my 20s with girlfriends where I paid for them. And it was luxury. You know, she got a free vacation. I got, woo, a weekend of love. In Miami, and I got to see front row of a concert. So I know it's horrible, but you really can't spend more than 85% of your income. You need to save for those big picture, big priorities, retirement, vacation, home, things like that. Uh, another part of your budget should never, ever be the windfalls. Uh, my mother has lived 20 years in very poor health, and she has dwindled some of her wealth. If I was expecting it, it probably wouldn't come, if you know what I'm saying. So we'll talk a little bit more budgets. This is Lesson 2 out of 20. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. I do seminars locally. 
Um, similar to this, some for the wealthy, some for the those who are creating wealth. You can find out more at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Email me, rob at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Today, going over two lessons. First one was setting priority. Second one is figuring out a budget. Mint.com is a great place to start. Um, as far as budgets go, you have to budget. Um, later in life, you're going to get raises. You're going to get promotions. You're going to become a smarter investor. But starting know what you're spending on and looking at things as these are luxuries and these are, you know, things that I have to have, necessities. It helps you ultimately stay ahead of inflation. It helps you ultimately learn, like, I've been making excuses. And, you know, one of the worst examples I give is incredibly sexist. It's shoes. I don't get women paying $400 for a pair of shoes. There's no pair of shoes worth $400 to me until you funded your whole retirement and then you can get whatever you want. Until you get that one priority funded, $400 of shoes, $400 a pair of shoes, 25-year-old woman, $800 when she's 33, $1,600 when she's 41, um, $3,200 when she's 50-ish, $6,400 when she's 60-ish. It's about $12,000 by the time she retires. For a pair of $400 shoes. It's just ain't worth it. And again, that's the best example I can give you. It's stupid. But you could use a $400 watch. You could use a $400 car payment. You know, you've got to figure out in your budget what is a luxury, what is a necessity. And when I was younger, I, w- I would flirt with the concept of women in shoes and go, you know what? We don't even look at your feet. Men don't look at your feet. Like, w- you're doing that for other women. Like, buy a nice necklace because we look at your neck. We want to kiss your neck. You know, buy a nice set of earrings because we want to nibble on your ears and whisper sweet nothings to you. Like, that's fine. But your feet? Feet are nasty. I don't want to see those. So you get the idea. So identifying how your money is currently being spent is part of the budget. Evaluating how that money is spent, is it hitting your financial priorities or not? And if it's not, then you don't have financial priorities. You're not doing it. So, again, a friend of mine got a a, a really expensive little car because she thought it would be fun, sporty, and sexy. And it's like driving a Vespa around San Francisco. Ciao. Ciao. Meep, meep. Ciao. Do you really need it? No. So there's going to be categories in your budget like salary and clothing and groceries and child care and health insurance. Some of them you can get around. Some of them you can't get around. So, you know, Christmas time. Part of my budget is to say I want to save money. That's a priority to me, right? <clears throat> so I come up with a list of ten people who I want to get presents for, and then I cut it down to three. And then those in four to ten get, like, something nice, but not a, a present, you know, something like, I'll take that person out for a drink and say, hey, it's Christmas time, let's have a go have a drink, and I'll pay, kind of thing. And that's my way of saying, there's a gift. You know, I, I, I covered, you know, a couple beers with you, and we got to chat and get to know each other a little bit more. So part of your budget, believe it or not, is going to be seeing how much you're spending and saying, I'm going to cut back another 5% or 10%. I've got a friend who, she's struggling for money. Oftentimes when I say friends, what I really should say is email buddy. But 
she sure has enough money for a gym membership, and she sure has enough money for um, car insurance. Like, at some point in time, you have to say, which one am I going to cut? If you drive, you should have car insurance. <laughs> Don't get me wrong with that one, okay? But I think you're starting to see what I'm saying. Uh, there's something you have to cut. It's just, it's that's the way to get wealthy. Or go back to college, get a better education, get a more career dedicated to funding your budget with, you know, whatever you want to do. So to me, a budget is always in motion. It takes revision after revision after revision to get to where you feel comfortable with it. And again, I think you can be really, really, really sexy with a budget. It's tough, but you, you can. I look for small savings in a budget. I look for big savings in a budget. Um, I don't do, like I said, I cut, you know, if you could have a category where you're like a convenience store, there's nothing cheap in a convenience store. There's nothing you want in a convenience store. If you could just cut that whole category out that you're stopping at 7-Eleven before work to get a coffee and a, a donut, cut it out. Donuts have absolutely no nutritional value. Um, find out things that you're spending money on. That, like, again, candy bar. It's just teeny tiny little things. Um, whenever I go out shopping now on weekends, I try to do all of my weekend shopping in one trip because it saves me on gasoline. It's a weird thing to admit, but I've looked at my budget and said, how can I cut my gas bill? And one way to do it is to do everything you can in one trip. So you're not starting the car, going five, six, seven, eight miles, come back. You know, that'll add up. Every time I go to work, every time I go to work, it's a gallon of gas. It's 23 miles, my car gets 23 miles per gallon. So I know that every time I go to work, it's costing me eight bucks, four dollars of gas each way, right? So that's in my head. I've refinanced my mortgage to get a lower payment to help my budget. I've reduced larger expenses. I don't buy season tickets to anything. I don't want to go to all those games. So, priorities lesson number one, budget lesson number two. Have fun, but know that inflation is going to kill your budget over time. And you got to beat that to fund your priorities. I'm Rob Black, doing a little Money 101, all things financial, lessons to get you to retirement. Find me online at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.